Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. PJ Carlissimo, as all our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Oh, we had a good game last night. Actually, two of them. Score this one, Vegas 1, Greeny 0, I'll explain. Plus plenty of football to talk about, including nonsensical double talk from a legendary quarterback. And the college game about to take a very dangerous turn. All that and a whole lot more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Griffin looking, looking, down three into Durant. Durant with one dribble, gets off a three and missed it at the horn. The Milwaukee Bucks blow a 21-point lead. But hang on and rally. And they're in the series. I'm so mad at myself. So mad. How many times have I sat here and said, Vegas knows. How many times have I sat on these airwaves and said, they don't have all those big buildings in the desert because people take money from them all the time. They would have little huts and little shacks. I've been making that same tired joke for so many years it has become tired. They sucker you in. Bucks minus two and a half in game three. Ludicrous. Bucks didn't look like they could win a quarter against Brooklyn. 92% of the money on the Nets. And like an idiot... I didn't sniff it out. Hembo did. Hembo told you, go the other way. I told you it's a sweep. Nets blow them out again. Sure enough, line, Bucks minus two and a half. Final score, Milwaukee by three. How do they do it? How do they do it? The economy in Nevada got a lot healthier last night. I must say, in a lot of ways, I loved that game. I loved it. Physical, low scoring, not an endless barrage of threes. The two highest-scoring teams in the NBA finished 86-83. These days, that's the end of the third quarter. A very interesting night in a lot of ways, and we had great perspective on it across TV this morning, and I will sum up some of it for you here, and then we'll get P.J. Carlesimo alive a little bit later here in this hour. But for the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, I tried to give credit to Giannis and Chris Middleton who last night combined to score a greater percentage of their team's points than any duo in NBA postseason history. They combined to score 79% of their team's points last night. Michael and Scotty never did that. Kareem and Magic never did that. Shaq and Kobe never did it. These two guys did it last night. And so I tried to give them credit. I tried to say, what did they show you, Big Perk, in a bounce-back effort after being humiliated? And Perk said, and you know what? I think he's right the more I think about it. He said, it's about damn time. Don't sit here, Greeny. It's basically what he's saying to me, and he's right. Don't sit here telling me I should be giving credit to the two-time MVP for finally playing a good game. That's his job. So that was right. The real question that comes out of it is, do we now have ourselves a series? And at the risk of sounding like the fool that I was the other day, I still say no. I still say the Nets are playing without James Harden, and played about as badly as they could last night in a variety of ways, particularly Kyrie Irving, who just, I I don't know where he was last night, but he wasn't in that building. And Bruce Brown is running to the hole with the ball at the end, taking the last shot for reasons known only to him, and we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. And even with all of that, with Giannis playing as well as he can, and Middleton playing as well as he can, and the officiating definitively letting everything go last night, which played into the strengths of the Bucks relative to the Nets in this series, even with all of that, the Nets could easily have won the game at the end. Easily. They have a crazy possession down one. They have a one-point lead late. 
First, they have a three-point lead late. Then they have a one-point lead late. Then they have a ridiculous possession that ends in Brown throwing a shot off the... I don't even know what he's doing. And then even after that, they have a half-decent look by Kevin Durant standards to tie it and send it in overtime. And if that goes in, they're going to win that game in overtime. So the Nets, to me, are still definitively and decidedly in control of this series. But at least Milwaukee gives you something to watch on Sunday. It gives you a reason to be interested in what happens Sunday at 3 o'clock because if they find a way to win that game four, then we really have something. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let me bring hashtag Nuno, my producer, into the conversation, my basketball insider extraordinaire or my VP of basketball passion. What do you think? Did, coming out of if, if, if someone makes the statement coming, Nuno, out of last night's game, now we've got ourselves a series. Do you agree or disagree? I will ask you, what did you watch after that for, first quarter? Giannis was great in that first quarter. He was, you know, attacking the basket. And then all of a sudden, it, it seemed like he forgot how to play. And they did everything possible to try to give that game away. I have no confidence, even if they win game two, uh, four, that this is still a series. Well, I'll say this. I agreed with everything you said right up until the end, which is to say, I have no confidence they're going to win game four. I believe the Nets will win that easily. If Milwaukee wins game four, then something strange is going on. Then something you or I are not foreseeing is happening, and then we'll have to try and figure it out from there. It might be because there's some sort of minor implosion, you know, but amongst the net, who knows what might happen. But I don't see any other way that Milwaukee wins a game. I asked Stephen A a question on TV this morning. Can the Nets win the championship if they never get anything from Harden? And that really is the question. Harden is the guy. Legler made this point this morning with us on Get Up that the one guy who would be able to create his own shot through all of that, who would be least affected by the physicality of the defense, who in fact would have thrived the way the game was played last night amongst the big three, would be Harden. And he's there in street clothes again last night, and let's see what winds up happening. I have no reason to believe that we're going to get anything from him in this series and maybe beyond because when a guy comes back from a hamstring injury, plays 43 seconds and goes out and misses, at this point now, three more games and counting, that suggests to me this is not a problem that's going to go away. I don't think it goes away before game four. I don't think it goes away in this series. In order to win a championship, you're probably still looking at about, what is it, about another month, a little more than a month? So if they rest him like a full three weeks, something like that, but that takes you deep into whatever the next round is. So, but I think that's what we're looking at. I think the idea that you're going to get full strength, full speed ahead hardened between now and then is pretty unlikely. We'll find out. Meanwhile, that game was, it wasn't beautiful to watch, but I kind of liked it. And at least it was close to the end. The late game was good too. Jazz up two zip on the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell is so good. 37 points last night, 15 of 29 from the floor. 82 points in these first two games combined. And maybe the most interesting stat, the Jazz are 6-0 and in these playoffs when he plays. The only playoff game they lost, he didn't play. Remember, he was all mad about not being able to play game one. He was mad at the organization. Everyone got excited. Boom, he comes back. They haven't lost a game. Did you hear what Stephen A. said about him on TV with me this morning? You will. Donovan Mitchell is the story right now in the Western Conference. He's the story of the playoffs. He's the best player in the playoffs right now. So we have a million things to get to with all of that. Back when I covered games, I used to love looking, as Jalen says, deeper in the box score for some key numbers. And last, so I just had a little time this morning before we went on TV. So I looked through the box scores and a couple of things that jumped out to me 
In the late game last night, Utah shot 55%. Everybody on their team shot it well. You go back and find me teams that shoot 55% in playoff games and don't win. That is an enormous number. The discrepancy was 55 to, I didn't jot it down, something like 47%. Over the course of a long, that's a huge disparity. In the net game, Brooklyn shot 36%, Milwaukee 38. The teams combined to shoot 14 of 63 from three. And the Bucks in a 48-minute basketball game last night, Nuno, did you take a look at the stats this morning? Did you see how many assists the Bucks had as a team? Take a guess how many assists the Bucks had as a team last night in 48 minutes. Uh, 15. 12. 12 assists in a 48-minute game. 12 assists on however many made baskets they had. Crazy night. So hopefully that's a series now, rooting for that first and foremost. Charles Barkley said some really interesting things about all of this that I want to get to as we continue. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause early on that. Because I have so much I want to get to. I've got PJ standing by, so I want to have plenty of time to talk about all this with PJ Carlissimo. Then I really want to dive into what Charles Barkley said. Because what he said, I think, creates a fascinating question for every fan within the sound of my voice. I'm Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. We're back with PJ Carlissimo, Charles Barkley, and a whole lot more next. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy the smartest guy talking basketball today is pj carlissimo and he joins me here on espn radio hello again pj Hey, Greeny, good morning. How are you? Uh, pleasure, as always. I'm great. And we had, a, we had some, uh, a chance to chat this morning on television, but here on this show we can get a little deeper inside of stuff, which is what I look forward to doing. So from a coach's eyes, which you always will watch through, obviously, how did Milwaukee win this game last night? What did the Bucks do 
from a coaching perspective that changed this series last night? Well, the number one thing they did was they defended just light years better than they did in the first two games, and uh, especially the three-point line. They limited Milwaukee to eight for 32, you know, 25%. I mean, Milwaukee was just chewing them up. They had 36 threes in the first two games at, like, 45%. So, I mean, that was really the difference. I mean, they beat them about 19 different ways, but the three-point line was the biggest thing. Uh, so to hold them to eight threes last night, particularly at 25% shooting, was significant and enabled them to win. I mean, if you told me they were going to get 86 points, I liked the Bucks. I thought they had a chance last night. But if you told me they were going to get 86 again, I would have said no way. They got 86 in game two and got beat by like 40 points. But they found a way to win because of their defense. Bud uses the term, Coach Budenholzer, all the time. We've got to feel them. They have to feel us on defense. They felt them last night. Uh, even P.J. Tucker making K.D. work every time. They contested the threes better. They got out. They had a hand up. They were bumping them. So it, it really made a difference and enabled them to win when only two guys really gave them offense. I mean, there's no Drew had the biggest you know, basket of the game late. But, I mean, really, it was just Giannis and uh, Chris Middleton and even Giannis, uh, it's it's unbelievable. I, Bud can't say anything, Greeny, but I mean, Giannis is three for twenty-four from the three-point line during the playoffs. He was one for eight last night. When he shoots inside the three, he's sixty-five percent. And last night he started the game right away, like he was driving it. He dunked it. Two of the first like four baskets of the game were him like just bowling over people, going to the rim and dunking the ball and. You know, for a change, they were running off misses. That good defense made a big difference because it enabled the Bucks to get out. And you, you saw Giannis more in an open floor last night. You saw them doing more things. All they were doing in the first two games in Brooklyn was taking the ball out of bounds. <laughs> and the Nets were back there. They were set up. The Bucks still weren't making any three-point shots. So they were just like in the paint telling Giannis, like, you can't get all the way to the rim. We got all kinds of bodies Last night, there were a lot of opportunities, or many more opportunities for him to, to go coast to coast or to drive the ball to the, to the rim. And Chris Middleton made enough to at least stretch the defense a little bit. If you ever get Drew and Bryn Forbes and, you know, Buck shooting the ball, this is the number one offense in the league, number five in three-point percentage. If they ever have a game where they're making threes, well, it's going to be so much easier for Giannis to be able to get to the rim. But right now, you know, I'm sure Steve Nash is telling his guys, guys, we don't have to go out and cover these other guys. They're not making any shots right now. So these are the two top offensive teams, one and two, in the NBA, and they play a game last night that ends 86-83. Do you believe that? And, well, I mean, it's, it's, I, it, you should be saying, all right, when does the fourth quarter start? But, but that's the way it went. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So, so I can't remember now if it was – I think it was might have been you or, or it was Tim Legler this morning. We had so much stuff on this morning on TV. made the point that the guy – when, when the Bucks are going to play the kind of physical defense they played last night, the guy on the Nets best suited to attack that is James Harden. And, and, and that begs the question, do you expect, just knowing through your whole life, you know, being a basketball coach and understanding that when a guy comes back from a hamstring injury and 43 seconds later he's out three games and who knows what happens, do you think we get anything meaningful from James Harden in this series, however far it goes? 
I, I don't think they're going to play him unless he's okay to go. I, they were so conservative during the regular season. He came back the one time, and right away he went out. You know, everybody forgets KD had the same injury in the other leg, and he missed. Remember, he was out for that term, and they said, oh, he's going to be back in a couple of days. And Stevie Nash kept saying every time there was a press conference, uh, he's, you know, he's getting there, but he's not there yet. That's, he had a hamstring, and they didn't want to mess around with it. And James, to his credit, I mean, he walked right off the floor after that play in, in game one and just headed right to the locker room because he knew. So I, I don't know. There's no way of speculating. I do know this. If James is on the floor, it's night and day trying to defend his team. You know, everybody's saying, well, they're better with only two, not having the three of them. You know, that's ridiculous. Uh, they're a much better team with James Harden, particularly, like you said, when it's a game last night when it's physical as heck, they're playing in, in, in the mud, and, you know, Milwaukee's doing everything they can uh, to find a way to win. And they, they found a way to win. Giannis was really smart early. I mean, those guys split 30 points, I think, in the first quarter. I don't know if anybody else even scored in the first quarter. Brooke Lopez kind of under the radar. Uh, Mike Breen uh, noted it. He blocked six shots, but five of them were in the second half. Uh, including that late Bruce Brown one. I don't know that he blocked it and got anything on it, but he altered the shot. And again, that led to the miss that, you know, got them down there. And Chris Middleton was able to hit the two shots. But Middleton stepping up, Giannis being way more forceful and getting after it made a huge difference. If a healthy James Harden comes back, look out. Then, you know, the Bucks are going to need more offense anyhow. They're going to need 105, 110 points. It's the team that led the NBA in scoring three straight, you know, two straight years. Uh, and this year, again, at 120 points a game, they just went back-to-back 86. I credit a lot of that to good net defense. But their offense right now is just bogged down. And you, you've seen that happen every year, Greeny, in the playoffs when you zero in on one team and you take away their pet things and Giannis is settling for jump shots, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough. Jeff Green will make a difference if he comes back. It's going to give him another long defender, and it's going to give him a versatile guy that can give him a little bit of offense also. So I'm really looking forward. We've got it um, on Sunday. We're, Breeny's there with ABC. We're going to be – Sean Kelly and I are there with radio. So, uh, you know, now it's, gonna be, it's really going to be an important game, and they can turn it – you know, we could have a great series if if the Bucks can find a way to win another one, but they're not doing it without offense for sure on Sunday. That's correct. That's our our game Sunday afternoon right here on ESPN Radio. Uh, PJ with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. Two other things, PJ, while I have you real quick. When you have a player like Bruce Brown, who is being just summarily annihilated on social media, uh, for anyone who didn't watch the end of the game, you know, you've got KD and Kyrie on the floor, and Kyrie's not having a good night, but he's still Kyrie Irving. And in a late-game situation, the ball winds up in the hands of Bruce Brown, and with plenty of time left and his team down one, he makes a mad dash to the basket. You just referenced the play. Um, And it's not a good-looking play. And, of course, fans are going crazy, and Stephen A. went crazy about it on my TV show this morning. Here, just to give you an indication, this was Stephen A. with me this morning. you almost lucky you got a ride back to the hotel. You do not take... <laughs> okay, that's all you need to hear, PJ. Okay, so, but all kidding aside, when you're the coach, like, what do you say, you know, in a private moment with him or in front... Like, how do you handle that if he makes that play that the entire world is screaming, give the ball to Kevin Durant? Bruce, I love your confidence. I love the fact that the play was a scramble. The one thing that people should give him a little bit of love for, that play was they almost the ball almost went out of bounds right. on the opposite side of the floor 
from where they inbounded. So, I mean, you had a breakdown. He may not have had enough time to, you know, look up at the, you know, the clock. But, you know, you see the player, like James Harden, you see him, he, you know, his head goes up all the time. He knows exactly, as does Kyrie, as does Kevin. That, but that's who they are. Um, I, yeah, you just you tell him in a nice way, look, if, if, we're, if we lose the game, let's lose the game with two of the best players in the league taking the shot. Now, if they're double teamed or you're all by yourself and you can create something, but he, like, goes in, jumps into Brooks' stomach. And, again, Brooks' defense, I think, was a big factor on that play. But th- that play was frantic from the pass. Once that pass started rolling along the floor to the other side, it was they were out of control. They weren't nearly as composed as you would think uh, a team with Kyrie and KD would be in a situation like that. They had plenty of time to execute. Unfortunately, their execution because of that inbounds pass was not very good. P.J. Carlissimo, I'm going to leave it there because I know you need to get on to a couple other things here. Thank you, as always, my friend. Have a good game on Sunday, and we'll talk next week. All right, Greeny, thank you. All right, it's P.J. Carlissimo again. He, you heard him mention he's got the uh, the radio broadcast on Sunday of that game four, it, and it shapes up to be, at, at least it gives you something, you know, like there's something to watch there on Sunday and to listen to on the, and the, and the radio if you choose to. Um, because there's nothing, there's nothing worse than, than if this team goes running rampaging through it all. I think one of the reasons that people hate super teams, which I'm going to get to in a minute here from Charles Barkley's comments, is because they just take all the fun out of it. If you put together a super team and it doesn't win, or at least if if there are many moments over the course of a postseason one where you think they legitimately might lose, then that's fine. The problem is that what we see is when KD joins Golden State, they're unfair. They're unfair good. And I, I am a little bit afraid these Nets are unfair good. Now, playing without James Harden, they're not unfair good. Playing without James Harden, they are beatable. If they have James Harden in that game last night, it's not even close if he's healthy. And I guess the question is, will he at any point be healthy? It's straight talk. Time for some straight talk. Cutting your wireless bill in half feels good. Home run in the ninth inning good. Straight talk offers 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys on America's best network. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. I want to play that whole Stephen A. Smith bite. I had to let PJ go by a certain time because he's got a few other things on his schedule. So that's why I sort of rushed through that. But Stephen A. on Get Up today, when I asked him about the Bruce Brown shot and that play at the end, here's the entirety of what he said. You're almost lucky you got a ride back to the hotel. <laughs> you do not take the last shot. You do not. And I understand that it was a shot before Kevin, Kevin Durant ultimately. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when he drove into the lane and took that layup instead of finding Kevin Durant, who had just scored seven straight points. Now, I have no idea why Coach Steve Nash had a play design where Kyrie and Bruce Brown were there together or whatever. Get the ball to KD or get the ball to Kyrie. And Kyrie's the secondary option and the way KD was flowing. It's the first option. I don't give a damn what's going on. You find a way to get Kevin Durant that basketball. Period. And that Definitely showed his youth, inexperience, or just blasphemy. Blasphemy, or just blasphemy. So that was Stephen A. on the Bruce Brown play. And look, it's in the world in which we live, Bruce Brown is going to get torched on social media. And a lot of that will be unnecessarily nasty. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. It is right. I mean, sometimes in life, you have to know who you are. You not only have to know where you are and the circumstance you're in. And yes, the defense of Bruce Brown is... The play, the, the, the ball is a scramble play and it winds up in his hands and the clock is running down, but it's not running down that fast. 
At the end of the day, you have to know Kevin Durant is on my team. I have to get him the ball. You cannot allow your team to lose a game because Kevin Durant didn't get a shot to win it at the end. So it's a big mistake. There's no question that's a mistake. The other thing Stephen A. said that I have a feeling is starting, I can see it's starting to percolate a little bit on social media, and I think it'll become a bigger deal. I asked Stephen A. about Donovan Mitchell in Utah, and I didn't even get the entirety of the question out of my mouth. And Stephen A. took it from there. There's nothing that this brother cannot do in Utah already. I want to hear about Carl Malone. I want to hear about John Stockton. That's the best player in the history of the Jazz organization right there. I just said it, and I ain't stuttering. Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. Whether Donovan Mitchell is a superstar or not is a topic, in case you're not aware of this, because in large part because of a somewhat awkward conversation slash interview slash exchange that he had with Shaquille O'Neal on TNT at one point this season in which Shaq sort of under the in the auspices of of saying motivating him suggested that he isn't a superstar questioned whether he was ready to become that and Donovan Mitchell took it however he took it and it was just sort of an awkward exchange whatever the point is that word has particular significance when it comes to Donovan Mitchell what cannot be questioned is the way that he is playing Donovan Mitchell they are 6 and 0 when he has played in this postseason and he is averaging 41 points a game in this series. And he looks like he just absolutely cannot be stopped. Now, historically, of course, he is not at this moment a greater player historically than John Stockton and Carl Malone. But I understand the point that Stephen A. is making is that Mitchell looks like he has a chance to be that next level of good. Now, Carl Malone is the second all-time leading scorer in the history of the sport. So that's one... I would disagree with if, if, if Stephen and I were to sit and actually have that debate, I would I would not agree with it. To me, it's much too soon to say that Donovan Mitchell is going to be a greater player than than Carl Malone or even John Stockton. But I see where he's coming from. I see where he's coming from, because you have to have two things to become that level of great. You have to have the talent and you have to have that certain something that certain something that can't be taught. that can't be bought. that can't be learned. And you just know it when you see it. And he is both of those things. He's got that much talent, and he's got that certain something. So they have a special thing brewing in Utah with Donovan Mitchell. And I think they're going to the finals this year. If you ask me to bet an amount of money that mattered to me right now, and it's easy to say when they're up 2 nothing, but if you ask me to bet an amount of money that mattered to me right now on who winds up in the finals this year, I would say Utah and the Nets feels overwhelmingly likely. Greeny with you. I want to remind you that in case you ever miss any of the show on the radio every day, there's two other ways to catch up literally anytime you want. Our show streams every single day on ESPN+. Plus. It's live and then it's there for the entire rest of the day so you can watch anytime you'd like. We are also a podcast. You can find both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greenie. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, next order of business. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Charles Barkley says he roots against all super teams. These quotes are lengthy, but they're really good. I'm going to read them to you. I think it's worth hearing it all. Charles says, I'm not a fan of super teams. So listen, if they win it, they win it, speaking of the Nets. But to be perfectly clear, I'm rooting against those guys. I root against all super teams. If I'd known you guys were going to make fun of me for not winning a championship, I would have joined a super team back in my day. Me and Patrick Ewing and Carl Malone and John Stockton. 
but I feel good about my legacy. I'm pretty sure Patrick and John and Carl do too. LeBron started this super, super team thing in Miami, and hey, it's the way the game is played now. To go back to my day, even though we didn't win the championship, the Sixers were worth watching. The Knicks were worth watching. The Pacers were worth watching when Reggie was there. Same thing with Atlanta and Dominique. I just don't think it's good for business. But these young kids, they all fold to peer pressure and feel like they've got to win a championship or their life sucks. Fascinating quotes from Charles Barkley. Because I think there's so much in that to unpack. First of all, as one who came of age loving this sport in the 70s and then very much so in the golden age, which were the 80s and the 90s, He's talking about all-time great players who never won a championship. And you can say it's because Michael's teams kept beating them all. But they all got there and they all knocked on the door. Charles played him in the finals. Ewing played him tough as hell in the playoffs. It felt like almost every single year. And obviously Stockton and Malone played him in the finals in back-to-back years. And both those series went six. They had chances to win. Charles went six games uh, in, in the finals at 93 with Michael. So they had chances to win and they don't. Somewhere along the line... It became all about either you win the championship or your career is a bust. I'm not sure when that happened because it wasn't the case then. I do sort of feel like I need to raise my hand because I wonder if Mike and Mike had played some role in that. Because I think what happened was when the LeBron versus Michael, and maybe even before that, when the Kobe versus Michael debate started happening... I think that's when we started counting rings. Like, we weren't counting Larry's rings and Magic's rings. You knew that Russell had all those rings just because there were so ridiculously many of them. But we didn't count all the other best players in the NBA in the 70s, John Havlicek, Rick Barry, name whoever you want. Kareem, Elvin Hayes. We didn't sit around and count their championships as a way of determining how great they were. We never talked about Ted Williams and Ernie Banks as being anything other than all-time great players, even though they never won World Series. Winning championships didn't have to be the be-all, end-all. And then all of a sudden, it was. And the, the conversation around the sport became, I think, the motivating factor for that. And in that regard, I cannot blame these guys for feeling as though, like if I'm sitting in their shoes, I can see where I might say, so you're criticizing me for putting myself in the best position to win a championship. But then if I don't win a championship, you're going to say, well, he never reached his potential or his career is on some level of failure or whatever it is. He isn't all that great because he never won. Well, which is it? I get that. I get players feeling that way. It doesn't make me hate super teams any less, but I understand it. I'm not sure exactly what can be done about it. We need to find a way to go back to the other way. And we're never stopping the counting of the rings. The counting of the rings is now with us. That's never going to stop. So we have to figure out a way to combat the super team phenomenon without hoping that that will go away. We have not done a lot of phone calls this week, and I want to change that coming up next. I've not. I've been I've missed a couple of days here. Yesterday was a very big day for me. I'll talk about that a little later. But next, I just want to open up the phones to you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What do you want to know? That's the name of the game. You got a question? If you can get past Bubba, you can get it to me. 888-SAY-ESPN. What do you want to know? The calls are next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Much more on all the basketball. I got some football stuff to get to today as well, and I will go through the details of what was an unforgettable week, really, for me in its entirety as we go along. But right now, haven't had enough time for phone calls this week, and I always like it when we can chat. So let's do it. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. We'll do what do you want to know. Bubba, who's first up? First up, we have Jamar. All right, Jamar, what do you want to know? Greeny, I need you to help me start the conversation on draft reform. I think it's time to start going to uh, have teams who win the championship have first overall pick. I'm tired of seeing good talent from college go to bad teams. I want to know what you can help me do about this. In all sports? Or are you talking specifically about basketball? Specifically basketball and football. I think baseball does a really good job with their AAA and AA system of, of, of growing right. their talent. But I, I'd like for basketball and football to start letting the winners get the first pick. So okay. good talent goes to good Here's teams. my, Jamar, Here, this is known as the Greenie plan. I said this on Mike and Mike. People wrote some stories about it in the newspaper, so you could probably Google it. This was something like 2003 I suggested this plan. My first plan was that I think you cut the playoffs in half. Altogether, too many teams make it. There should be four in either conference instead of eight. I know that's never going to happen. But either way, it has long been my belief that what you do is you take all of the teams who miss the playoffs – and you give them the picks in reverse order. So the team with the best record that misses the playoffs gets the first pick, and then the next, and the next, and the next. So the worst team in the league doesn't get the first pick. It winds up getting whatever that adds up, up to now, 12th pick or whatever it is. Uh, you, know, you understand the point that I'm trying to make here, that the lottery goes in reverse so that we stop incentivizing losing. And yes, there are some teams that are just always bad right now, and we'll see. You're worried about... You know, the Zions being in New Orleans and, and, and Ja being in Memphis. But what I would say back to you, Jamar, is the best thing that can happen is that those guys make those teams great. We need every team in the NBA to be worth watching, not just four of them. Thank you for the call. As always, I appreciate it. Bubba, who's next? Let's go to Sammy. All right, Sammy, what do you want to know? Hey, what's up, Greeny? It's very easy to stop the super teams. All you got to do is stop with the max contracts. The owners took away the ability for a guy to make as much money as he can, so the players decided to get together. Stop with his max contract. You have no more super teams. Sammy, that's a great call. And, and and the first person I heard say that was Stan Van Gundy. I have no idea if other people were saying it before he did, but I was hearing that from him. You leave the salary cap in place, the team cap, and you remove the individual max salary so that if you are LeBron, James, Kevin – oh, let's use the three guys that are together, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving – a team could pay you $50, $60, 70000000 million a year to play, and those guys are worth it. But you could never have two of them on the same team. 
And those guys might walk away from a mill here, a mill there in order to play together and win championships. They won't walk away from 15 or 20. They probably won't anyway. So that, I think, would be the best way to alleviate the problems of creating super teams. It's a great call, Sammy. Thank you. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? We've got Lorenzo. Lorenzo, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you want to know? I'm curious, why do we push back on Bruce Brown? Why is he getting so much grief? Don't we also praise players for not being afraid of the moment? Don't we say that, you know, that is key? And now we're basically, what I'm hearing is, Bruce, you're not ready for the moment. These players are. You should defer to them. I don't think it was a terrible shot he took. I don't think he should be getting ripped for it. It's a complicated complicated one, Lorenzo. I see both sides. I see what you're saying. Yes. But the other side of it is, when you play with Kevin Durant or someone like that, you have to recognize that you, you, he's not the same thing. Like, Kevin Durant is an immortal. You, you're, you, you have a guy on your team who was the best scorer that ever lived. No one has ever been better at putting a ball in a basket than Kevin Durant is. And when that guy's on your team and there is any time left at all, your first option has to be get the ball to him. And you have an entire season of being coached to do that. And you just know your place. So there's a, there's a fine line between being not being big enough for the moment and understanding your role. And your role in that situation is get the loose ball, get control of the situation, and unless there's three seconds left, which there weren't, there was much more than that, find a way to get it to Kevin Durant to let him try and win this thing for us. So the criticism, I think, is fair. Some of it is unnecessarily nasty, but it is fair. One more, Bubba. Who we got? Let's go to Richard in Manhattan. All right, Richard, real quick. What do you want to know, my friend? Hi, Greeny. Two weeks ago, you mentioned Michael Strahan and John Madden as uh, people who have succeeded way beyond their careers in sports, correct? Yes. But I think you missed the most obvious one, and he was the first one, and he's probably the standard bearer. Do you know who I'm talking about? Are you going to say Frank Gifford? Yeah, of yeah. course. You know, that came up after the show. Thank you, Richard. That's an excellent call. So if you weren't listening that day, what he's talking about is we talked about the five players who had great playing careers who went on to bigger careers after. And we mentioned Strahan or bigger things after. Strahan, John Madden. forget who else was on the list now. But as soon as we finished, we did think of – so it's an excellent call – we did say Frank Gifford probably we, we should have thought of him. Like Frank Gifford was a terrific NFL player and then became one of the most famous and significant announcers of all time. It's a very good call. <clears throat> you are right. His name should have been mentioned in that conversation. All right, we have a huge second hour coming away. We'll have some time for who you got and much more. Stay with me, ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel exhausting, borderline impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand with just enough context so you can listen, get it, and go on with your day. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. 